right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time to say. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. What's up? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, thanks, Derek. Yeah. Oh, I was more so talking to listeners. But happy oh. Valentine's Day to you as well. Oh, okay. Well, Any big date plans tonight? Derek, listen. Mm-hmm. I am married to the grind. Man. I don't have time for <laughs> okay. that stuff. Okay. No, I'm uh I know, but listen, you actually you actually have uh, yeah, obligations. I'm married. Yeah. Well, what sort are you going to do? So my wife is actually a big KU fan, so I mean, I you know, luck out in that way. Take her to the game. That well, <laughs> I'm going to have to take a private jet at some point here. I'll duck out of the show if that's the case. Um <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not making it down to Stillwater. Uh, but no, she. she oh is, yeah. Okay. Never mind. My yeah, yeah. She's very much I, like. I don't know why I just assumed the game was an out. No, she. She is very much like, hey, like I want to watch the game. When I was like, do you want to go to dinner somewhere? And she's like, no, I, I want to watch the game. Uh, so so you really lucked out there. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, find someone, marry someone that dude, gets along Derek, with you and does certain things. Day, you gotta. You gotta. Well, yeah, up. yeah. So I, I'll be uh, cooking her dinner. She works late tonight, so I'll be cooking her a nice dinner, and then we'll eat okay, dinner we together, go. and then we'll watch okay. the game. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I'm not, I'm not just sitting there and being like, oh, great, everything's great. You know, I'll go pick up some flowers. Yeah, you gotta do something. Yeah. Come on. I'll step go pick step up step some flowers. I'm making her dinner. It'll be good. There It'll be go. good. There you go. Uh, but yeah, for uh, <coughs> yeah, certainly, I'm, I'm married to the grind. So sorry. And uh, married have, to the game. Ku taking on Oklahoma State. Do you think? What's up? Do you think Bill Self petitioned the Big 12 to actually come to think of it? I think his wife, his wife was like a cheerleader. No, I I don't remember. Do you think that he petitioned the Big 12 to have Valentine's Day in Oklahoma State so that he could, if he met his wife in Oklahoma State where he went to college, could relive their their first date? If that is true, maybe. But I don't remember where he met. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> I feel like you're stretching there. I am. I, like, I might I be. Like you're stretching. Uh, but both teams come into this on a roll. Which team will be hit by Cupidero? We will find out tonight. How many different uh, Valentine's Day like references do you think the announcers will make on the game tonight? Mm, not that many. Like maybe if somebody, like, maybe like three. If somebody hits uh, or, or dunks on someone, you don't think that whoever the announcer is will be like, and he gave him all his love. No. No? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> or Unless there was a player in the game whose last name was Love. You know, and instead of instead of the bow and arrow, it's Cupid's arrow now. Like if somebody does the bow and arrow celebration. Okay. Which none of, we, we haven't seen any of the current KU players do. Like Christian Brown did it a few times last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be an easy one. There's not a ton of Valentine's Day. That would Day. be an easy one to adapt to Valentine's Day. There will be a, okay, I, I, I feel good about this one. Okay. If... Dewan Harris has a a big assist game. They will come back from a commercial break at some point, and they'll do that highlight package where you see him passing around getting assists, and the color guy will go, Dewan Harris is passing out assists like chocolates on Valentine's Day. No, dude, he's spreading the love. 
Sure, it's perfect. Way easier. Sure, perfect. That works too. Or <clears throat> there'll be some okay, sort of reference like yes. that. Some sort if of reference. Somebody has yeah. a nice assist. I could see the one of the announcers saying like he's giving he's, flowers. He's something. spreading the love. Yeah. He's spreading the love. Sure. With the assists. Yeah. By sharing the ball, sharing the love, sharing the ball. Okay, there you go. All right, we're settled on it. Uh, but yeah, both teams on a roll here. Kansas has won four of their last five games. Oklahoma State's won four in a row, and they've won seven of eight. <coughs> they've actually won, won five in the process. They've actually won five in a row. They okay. won the Big 12 SEC Challenge also. That's right. So four they, straight they, Big 12 They won games. against Ole Miss, and then, they won four, and then they've won four straight Big 12 yeah. games. Yeah, and seven of eight overall. And TCU and Iowa State, including at Iowa State, they're the only team to have won yep. in Ames so far this year. Yep. Those are really impressive victories. Yeah, yeah, and there's no question that this is maybe the hottest team in the conference and probably one of the hotter teams in the country also with how they're playing. And and listen, this is a team that came in town Fieldhouse and almost won, right? I mean, they were they Bryce Thompson absolutely burned the house down with his three point shooting and they almost won that game on Fieldhouse. So if Kansas wasn't already on upset alert just based off of the previous result, like I'm sure based on watching the film of K Oklahoma State's recent games they know, hey, this is a team that is playing really, really well, and this is a team in Oklahoma State that is now 7-5 and five in the conference. If Oklahoma State wins tonight, suddenly they are firmly in the discussion of potentially making a run at the Big 12 title. I mean, they'd only be a game back of Baylor and, and Texas at that point, tied with Kansas. So there's so much on the line tonight for Oklahoma State just in terms of that. And also, Oklahoma State, listen, I think they're – I mean, would you say they're probably guaranteed to be a tournament team at this point? They, they've um, probably done it unless they me, like totally collapse. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a, a semantics thing. For me, when somebody says guaranteed to be a tournament team, for me that means if you lost every game from here, you would be guaranteed. Like I view it as clinched. Okay. And if they lost every game from here, they'd they be would be probably they've won six more games plus so uh, they'd be sixteen. They'd be sixteen and, 12, and sixteen. So no thirteen. No, they'd be sixteen and sixteen. So no, they no, not guaranteed. But realistically they're gonna make it in. they should make it yes is the way of barring and be- viewing it that way yeah collapse. you win like two more games including the big 12 tournament you're and in. they still they still get to play texas tech and west virginia i think yeah they play west virginia it is on the road i mean they have a very tough schedule they do have tech it's on the road uh they still have to play baylor tcu kansas state and kansas but so yeah, if they, they win if they win one or two of those games against baylor tcu kansas state and kansas they're probably if they win one regular season game left, and then they win their first game in that play-in game in the Big Twelve tournament, you're probably in. Yeah, but the point being, like a win here against Kansas, then you're basically pretty much probably, maybe absolutely close <laughs> to potentially almost basically being in. Yeah, right. I think that uh, this game is interesting from that standpoint for a couple ways. One, for Kansas now with the Texas loss last night, like. It very much gives you, I mean, you'd move back into a tie for first. This is a true game about contenders in the Big 12 in addition to that NCAA tournament stuff. So for Kansas, it's about you move a chance into a tie for first. For Oklahoma State, you win this game. You are a Big 12 title contender if you win this game. You'd be a game back. Yes. That's it. Yes. And then for the NCAA tournament perspective, to what you said, Oklahoma State would, would feel like they're pretty solidified at that point. For Kansas... They would be, in, in, at that point, I mean, pretty surely going to be a one seed at that point if you're looking at, because this weekend, they're doing that like early selection show reveal. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that where they reveal like the top 16? They Yeah, the top 16, top four in each region, and it gives you an idea of where everything is. If they win this game, they're going to be a one seed on Saturday. Yeah. 
I mean, they might already be a one seed to begin with because of the amount of quad one wins and everything. But yes, well, they have the most quad one wins in the, in the country. I think if they lose, they probably be like a high two seed. But yeah, Kansas is, if I'm not mistaken, they are the only team with double digit quad one wins. They have eleven. I think. Yeah, I think Texas has nine, but nobody else has. Nobody a chance else for has another one tonight. Rack them up. Well, I mean, you're in the Big Twelve. You get a chance for one every single game. Mm-hmm. So. It has a very big reverberation with this game. Maybe not nearly as much as we would have thought it would have a week or two ago to all of a sudden what it actually is. And the flip side of that, if you're Kansas, it's going to feel like a huge missed opportunity with Texas losing if you lose this game. If you're Oklahoma State, you lose this game, and now you're not going to be viewed as a Big 12 title contender, and you still have work in front of you for some of the other things you want to accomplish. This turned into a very big game. Yes, a huge game. Mm-hmm. And then you add the fact that both teams are hot. I mean, I was looking today. Bart Torvik, if you just go back to January 18th and on to today, Oklahoma State's the number eight team in the country. This is an look, elite defense. I mean, yeah, you look at their defense. They are they're number one in the Big 12 in a lot of statistical categories. Yep. And they are top five in the country in some of those categories also. They're really, really good at uh, effective field goal, field goal percentage, number one in that. Uh, on defense in the Big 12 against against everybody else. So, yeah, this is an elite defense. And obviously, a lot of it, I think, has to do with Moussa Cisse, their big man who can kind of alter and change a lot of shots. But he didn't really have a big impact in the first game they played at Allen Fieldhouse. Four no. points, six rebounds, and two blocks, right? Like, those are pretty pedestrian numbers for a guy of his caliber. So, Kansas did a good job of kind of mitigating his impact. And again, in that first game, not just for Oklahoma State, for Kansas, too, it came down to three-point shooting. Both teams shot over 40% from three in that first game. I would assume that's not going to happen again in this game, Mm -hmm. right? And this is where, when you look at the numbers for Oklahoma State, you get a little nervous because Oklahoma State's strength has has been defending two-point shooting. That's That's where their defense pops out the most on the numbers. So if Grady Dick is not hitting threes, if Dewan Harris is not hitting threes, and then Kansas gets bogged down trying to get into the lane and get into get into the paint and score. This could be a tough game for them. But this is an interesting test for Kansas because Bill Self has put a major emphasis on scoring in the paint in the last two games against Texas and their last game against Oklahoma. And Kansas had a lot of success, a lot of success in both games doing that. Well, now they're going to face a team that has a true rim protector. Are they going to still have that same success? And are they going to still put that same emphasis on it? Maybe Bill Self sees that Oklahoma State has a true rim protector and says, you know what, we're going to switch up our game plan. We're going to try a different approach here. I don't know. That's what I'm most curious to see is, is there, in this game, is there still that heavy emphasis on driving to the lane and scoring at the rim as we've seen in the last two games, or does the Kansas offense try to switch things up a little bit? Yeah. These are the uh, rankings to that great defense you were talking about. I know you mentioned they're number one in the Big 12 in effective field goal rate. They're number one in overall defense efficiency. They're number one in two-point defense. They're number one in block rate. They're number one in non-steal turnovers, so they take charges too. Uh, the only category that they're not even top half defensively in the Big 12 is just steal percentage. But, like, they're top four in turnover rate, defensive rebounding. They don't foul you a ton. Uh, they're pretty good defending the three-point line. Like, it's just an elite defense. Now, the flip but side, on the though. Fl- yeah, on the flip side. Not a good offense. Their, their offense is rather pedestrian. I mean, what you said about them shooting over 40% on high-volume threes against Kansas in the first meeting— Normally, if you said, hey, a team is going to shoot 13 of 29 from three, you'd be like, okay, they probably put up, I don't know, maybe 80 points. 
put up 67. I know part of that is tempo-based, but um, they don't really get easy buckets super well. They're not like a great offensive rebounding team, though they're a much better offensive rebounding team than the numbers show because when Musa Cisse plays, it completely changes how good they are as an offensive rebounding team, and he uh, obviously was missing some time. Like, this is not a very good offense. It's kind of... It, it, I don't know. It's it's an offense that has three guards, which we kind of saw with Bryce Thompson and John Michael Wright, Caleb Asbury, that can all hit threes. And that makes them dangerous because in a given game, they can go off. So I think from that standpoint, they do have a higher ceiling than you know maybe a team like they had last year. But overall, the floor of this offense is still not a good one. And that's kind of how I view this game. I think there's a couple avenues to Kansas winning. One is they just win an absolutely ugly game. Neither team can do anything offensively, <laughs> and it ends 62-59. to 59. Which you would think that a game of that style and pace would favor Oklahoma State. Yes. They're at home. They're the better defensive team on paper. You'd think that would favor them. But those are games that Kansas has won in the past and has proven that they can win. And usually there's... Kansas is good for one or two of those a year in Big 12 play because those are Bill Self games. Yeah. Those are, he loves those where you're not making <laughs> shots and you win games. I feel like we haven't really had that this year. Uh, maybe tonight's the night that the avenue. The other avenue there is that if you're just hot from three, like yeah. you were kind of talking about, because if you're hot from three, they're not an offense that's going to keep up. And I know you would point back to the first game and say, well, they did keep up there. Well, the odds would then say they're not going to do it again. I mean, in in that first meeting against against Kansas, Oklahoma State shot over ten percent better than what their average is from three in conference play, over ten percent. And how many of those were wide open threes? I I think Kansas will do a better job of of marking everyone. I think the defense is a little better than it was maybe then. Yeah, so I think I think like what you said, either Kansas gets hot from three and Grady Dick hits a couple threes, Dewan Harris hits a three or two and they kind of build up a big enough lead to where they can just kind of maintain that early in the game and then extend that. Or if it does become kind of a grinded-out game, again, you you would all signs would indicate to that favoring Oklahoma State, but you're right. Those are just the types of games that Bill Self coached teams find ways to win time and time again, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is kind of an interesting game because – we always see Kansas go into Stillwater and lose. Bill Self is seven and eight in Stillwater <laughs> as the Kansas head coach. Um, and the way that they're hot, the way that they're a really good team. If you lose tonight in a close game, yeah, everything points to Kansas losing this game. Yeah, it's it's not going to be, I think, an indictment on the team. No, like I'm not going to come in tomorrow and be like, well, everything's wrong now. Everything we just thought about the team the last three weeks, it's no. gone. No. But the flip side to that is. There's a real opportunity here. Yeah. With Texas losing, with a chance to move into first, with a chance to bury one of the other teams that might be competing for a Big 12 title, with a chance to sweep a good opponent, add another big-time win. This is... It's not going to define if Kansas wins or loses the Big 12. They're still going to have opportunities whether they do win or lose it. But make your life a whole lot easier if you win it. whole lot yeah. easier. Yeah, especially when you look at the rest of the schedule for Kansas, right? where you still have to go at TCU, which I know TCU suddenly doesn't look that dangerous because of injuries, but you're going to have to – that's a tough place to win, right? And you still have to play Baylor again on Saturday. 
and you have to go at Texas. Well, again, if if twelve and six is the number to get to, it means you got to go four and two down the stretch. Lose this game, four and one sounds a and lot got, more difficult yeah, than so three and two, does it not? Yeah. So you've got Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, and Texas. What again? Other game am I missing? I'm missing something. Yeah. So you got Oklahoma State, Baylor on Saturday for College Game Day at home. I don't think you mentioned that one. I think that was the one you missing. Oh, you did? Yeah. Uh, at I TCU. Didn't, I didn't say them in order. Oh, okay. At TCU, West Virginia at home, Tech at home, and then at okay, Texas. West Virginia at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you figure West Virginia at home and Texas Tech at home, you'll get those. You'll take care of those. Well, I mean, there's the recipe right there. If we're saying. So then it comes down to TCU on the road, Oklahoma State on the road, and Baylor at home. Yeah. If you can win two of those three. And then it'll pro- then at that point you're looking at it, the game the season coming down to that game at Texas. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of where I guess this comes down. If we're saying twelve and six gets it done, you have three more games at home. Which twelve and six gets a share. Yeah, exactly, and that's not even guaranteed. Probably. We're just saying that's bare minimum. Maybe. Yeah. You would have to win three all three of your games at home. I mean, you just got to win one of the the next three on the road. But certainly this one at Oklahoma State, as much as you've struggled there and as hot as they are. It sounds a little easier than winning at TCU, who beat you by 20 points, and at Texas. Yes. But, you know, again, that goes back in line with if they lose this game, you still have opportunities. You still could be fine. But it's just that this one, I'm trying to think of like an apt analogy or or something here. It's just like this one is going to the airport, and if you win this game, this is the equivalent of walking on one of those walkways that moves fast as opposed to just walking normally. Like, you can still get to the – it's like, you know, you're running a little late to your airplane. You can still get there without one. You can go fast. You can still get down there. It'd be a lot easier if you had one of those walkways. You win this game, you have one of those walkways that's, in front of you. That's quite the metaphor, honestly. <laughs> I did what I could off the top of my head. I thought it was okay. No, I, oh, I, I thought it actually turned out pretty well. Thank you. Yeah, Appreciate it. Uh, Kansas wins if what? Uh, Kansas wins if Dewan Harris continues to be active, continues to be a threat to score. Like I said, this feels like a game where he might have an opportunity to take a couple open threes, and if he can knock those down in rhythm and, and add some to the to the offensive end for Kansas, he's listen. He's the catalyst. I think it is if if he shoots double digit shots, Kansas hasn't lost a game when he does that, or I think that's the stat or something like that. So. He, he's the guy that elevates the entire offense to another level. I think that and also kind of circling back, I mean, you have Uday now that you feel pretty good about, but and we didn't really touch on him, but, you know, Ernest Uday's had certain together some nice games, but if he has to match up against Ustasise, that's a whole other level of big man that he has not had to face yet this season, really, in terms of what he's done. I mean, you look at the Kentucky game, he really didn't have to match up against Sheboy one-on-one that much. Oklahoma has Tanner Groves. Okay, he's like your average run-of-the-mill stretch five. Not really that impressive. So this this could be a game where, you know, let's say just like the Oklahoma game, K.J. Adams gets two fouls in two minutes, and then you got to run with Ernest Uday for 10-plus minutes in the first half. And if he's against Musa Cisse, that is going to be the matchup that is going to determine, okay, yes, Ernest Uday is here, and he is going to be a problem. Or if he maybe you see and you realize, okay, he's still a freshman, he can still – He's still got some stuff to work on. This mm-hmm. this could be the game that maybe officially gives you indication one way or the other. Yes, for him. But I but I but I think it runs through. I think the game runs through Dwan Harris. So I totally agree with that. Just to give something different, if I'm going with player one, would certainly help if Grady Dick got going from the outside. He had the 21 against Texas last week, but the uh, 
other didn't three games. Didn't attempt a single three in yeah. the Oklahoma game. Yeah, the other three games rounded is at eight, seven, and nine. You need one of the better games, I think, in a game like this tonight. The other one is just, can you find a way to get easy buckets? It's really hard with Musa Cisse, a really good shot blocker. Kansas has had their best success offensively when they can find ways to get easy buckets. We saw that against Texas. We saw it against Oklahoma. So whether that means getting in transition, you know, they'll, they're prone to turnovers. So you should be able to do that. Whether it means that, whether it means being able to back cut guys, whether it means KJ Adams driving at Musa Cisse, getting Cisse in foul trouble, you have to be able to figure out how to get some easy buckets, fully understanding that you're probably still not going to have a great two point shooting game because Cisse. It can't be a horrible two-point shooting game because of Musa Cisse. So yeah. that's kind of the one that uh, I want to go to. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. When we uh, come back, we've got tickets to give away to the rivalry at the rink between Kansas and Missouri hockey. We'll do that on the other side and uh, pick our ticket winners. Matt Tate, a Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com is going to join us at 340. This is RCST. <laughs> Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN. You can hear the game tonight against Oklahoma State. Pre-game 6.30, tip-off at 8 o'clock. We're joined now by Matt Tate of Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com, for our weekly conversations. And uh, in this game against Oklahoma State, we saw really the tale of two halves in the first meeting in Allen Fieldhouse. KU down 15, came back, ended up coming out with a close two-point victory over the Cowboys, which for the first portion of the season, was like, okay, well, maybe they're one of the bottom few teams in the Big 12. Now they're on a roll. They've won seven of eight games. If they win this game, they're only a game back of the Big 12 title. Um, what sticks out to you the most about this meeting with Oklahoma State, and uh, is there anything that you kind of take from the first matchup, or does that one just seem like too long ago? Yeah, it does seem like too long ago to me, uh, and, I, and I'm sure that that's probably the case with, with Coach Self and, and the staff and the players. I mean, you know, he's talked a lot about how they scout and how they prep for, for games, and they always do watch the last game that they played against the team when they're playing them for a second time. But, um, gosh, they, these were both different teams, and, and, and that was a, a long time ago. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they just kind of glossed over a little of that, especially maybe some base stuff, you know. Here's what they run. Here's what they do. Here's how we guard it, et cetera, but not looking too much for – you know, tendencies and trends and things like that because they're a different team. And they do have similar players for sure. Um, you know, Bryce Thompson's still there. Cissé's still there. But they're obviously without Avery Anderson and, and uh, the, the transfer. John Michael Wright's playing really well now in, in his place a little bit. So th- there's, you know, there's a lot to be learned that you maybe watch the other games as well. So um, I, I think the thing that just jumps out at me about them, though, is their athleticism and length and, and of course, the big guys inside with Cissé and Boone. I mean, um, that's that's one of the toughest matchups in the, in the whole conference for Kansas because we know Kansas can match up point guard for point guard. We know they can match up on the wings with anybody. Um, but, you know, this one, I, I don't know that it all falls on the shoulders of K.J. Adams and Ernest Uday, but given what Uday's done the last couple of games, I think his role will be much bigger tonight, and they're going to need to know if he can and see if he can stand up to those guys and, and be an athlete and be a presence in there physically and, and play above the rim and all those things we saw him do at Oklahoma. If he can do that, if he can do that against this team and against this front court, um, then I think that, that it's totally fair for, for Kansas fans to take the 
the Ernest Uday hype train and, and, you know, put it on a whole different track uh, because this will be a, a, a monster test for him, much the way that, that going up against Oscar Shibway was at Kentucky, but that was part him, uh, part Zuby, you know, part KJ. They kind of all, the whole team attacked uh, Oscar down there. But, but this will be a, a big night for, for Ernest to show just how much he has emerged, how much he has improved, how, how much maybe people can expect to count on him the rest of the way. So a uh, huge matchup there, but it'll be tough, man. I mean, Oklahoma State's good at home. They're hot right now, as you mentioned. And, and for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, Bill Self's ties to the program from the past or, or something in the water or in the air or whatever it is, for whatever reason, KU always has, has a little bit of, of trouble playing at, at Gallagher Iba. So um, the good news is it's an 8 o'clock tip-off instead of 11 or noon because those have been a problem lately. But um, 8 could be a problem on the flip side. That's a long way to wait all day, too. So uh, it's a huge game, though. I mean, the race with Texas losing last night, things get really interesting in a hurry. And uh, I think if Kansas wins this game, I, I'd be willing to put them in, in position A in the driver's seat for the, for the whole thing. Um, but it's a big if, and they got to play well to get it. Okay, so the remaining schedule now, Baylor at home on, on Saturday, at TCU after that, home against West Virginia, home against Tech, at Texas, and then obviously this one tonight at Oklahoma State. Where would this one rank in terms of the most difficult games remaining, do you think, for KU? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, you, you could make a case for it being as high as, like, second or third. You could make a case for it being as low as fourth or fifth. Um I think the only one that's probably for sure harder is maybe Baylor at home, and I think that's just because I think Baylor's hot and and maybe uh, the best team in the conference right now. Not saying that Texas isn't still a a factor and a force to be reckoned with, but um, I did post something last night or this morning um, about kind of what, what each team, each of those seven teams has less than, you know, looking at all their schedules, looking at Texas's schedule, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Texas finishes third or fourth. And uh, and I don't know that that's a real bold statement, but when they were in the driver's seat up to this point, it, 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 it does seem like it's a little bit of a scratcher. But I feel like they might be fading. That was a tough loss. Texas Tech obviously beat K-State just a couple of days earlier in that same building and, and has been playing much better lately, and, and mostly because they've been healthy. But if you're Texas and you want to win the Big 12 title, I think that's a game you have to win, and I think that's what this game becomes for Kansas tonight. I think it's a very similar thing. Um, but if they, if they don't win tonight, it doesn't mean they're trash. It probably means more about Oklahoma State, but if you want to win this conference, this is the type of game you have to win. So, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if I had to rank it, I'd probably put it third. I don't know that that TCU game looks too daunting if they're injured, even though that's you know not going to be a gimme by any means. Um, at Texas will be tough because it's a road game and because Texas has talent, regardless of where they are in the standings at that point. Um, and then, of course, as I mentioned, the Baylor game, that'll be big. That'll be really, really big. So those two are probably just a hair ahead of this one. But 
I guess in some ways this one might be even ahead of them because those don't matter as much if you don't get this one. So in terms of the importance, maybe this one ranks up there a little higher just because of that. you got to get through this one to get to the point where those matter. Okay, you mentioned Ernest Uday. If you can get your head around that. If you, if you need yeah. a minute, take a minute if you can get your head around that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you mentioned Ernest Uday, and over the last two games specifically, Bill Self, I think, has put a, a much more much more of an emphasis on scoring in the paint and getting easier buckets at the rim. How much do you think that has benefited or affected the offense as a whole over these last couple games? Oh, no question. And, you know, some of it's Uday, of course. Uh, they, they like throwing lobs to him. They like somebody who can finish up there and, and uh, you know, do that with, with traffic and over people. Um, but I think nearly all of it comes down to DeWan Harris and his mindset. Um, if he's in attack mode like he says he is, and, and he has said that. I mean, he says, you know, he hears what people say. He hears, he hears everybody tell him, emphasize scoring, emphasize scoring. You know, you got to shoot the ball. You got to score for us to win. All those things that people are telling him. Um, he hears that, and, and he's, I think, finally kind of convinced himself to believe that. And, and so I think that as long as he remains in that space and locked in on, on that kind of approach, um, you know, is he going to have off nights? Sure. Um, but, but going back a few weeks to when Self was talking about Juan's got to shoot the ball, and I think he was talking about it mostly from the outside, but he said, you know, it's kind of like throwing deep. It's, it's, it's something that has to be a threat. It's something that has to happen. So whether that's three-point shots or, or just attacking the paint and, and shooting that floater or trying to get shots up in, in, in close like that, um, whether they go in is important, obviously, it, both for his confidence and for this team's chances to score and to win. But I think that the biggest thing they want to see is that he continues to do that without hesitation. Because if he goes back to that area where he was, he was kind of, uh, I don't know, gun shy might not be quite the right word, but, but unsure um, and, and maybe didn't look to be as aggressive as a scorer. Um, you know that that might not be the best thing for this team, which is troubling because this is what we just described. That is him. He is a pass first, set everybody else up, make other people look good. I don't care if I get mine. I mean, that's the way this kid has been wired for his entire basketball playing life. And so, um, it's not just as easy as as maybe flipping a switch and saying, "Okay, I'm going to score now." But He's smart enough, and he knows, you know, thanks to other people reminding him and beating it into his head and all those things, he understands that, that his number one goal, everyone's number one goal is to win, and he's finally being convinced, I think, that, that their best chance at winning is by him doing that. So I think that that's key tonight. I think that's key the rest of the way, whether they make a real run or don't. You know, the whole thing is going to be about the one's approach and whether he can, you know, continue to do that without much thinking. If, if he's coming off that pick and roll looking to score, and again, he's going to have off nights, that's fine, but but you just need him to be aggressive. You touched on this earlier with Ernest Duday, but he's been having a couple good games, but now taking it to a whole other level against an elite defender and a guy like Musa Cisse, if, if Ernest Duday has another strong performance here tonight against Oklahoma State, is he officially elevated to that legitimate playmaking big man that Kansas can can rely on? I mean, if if he performs again tonight, do you think you're ready to, to put him in that category? Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, you know, it, it's been such a an up and down year for all those big men, not named KJ Adams. 
Um, and, and really, even KJ's had some ups and downs. Um, but for those others, it, it, it's, been, it's been hard to find rhythm and consistency and all those things. So, uh, you know, game on the line, your, your season hinges on whether he makes a play or, or, or does the right thing. I don't know if you're quite there in terms of relying on him yet. Um, but you're getting closer, and, and I, I pointed this out a ton after that Oklahoma win. I mean, you're, you're seeing him produce the way he's producing lately because of his confidence. I mean, of course he has the athleticism and he's executing and all those things, but I don't think he's doing any of that without feeling the confidence that he's feeling right now. So I think what, what you're seeing him produce in the way of stats or you know, even, even things that don't show up on the stat sheet, those are all born from the idea that he's playing with an extreme level of confidence right now. And as long as he can continue to do that, I think he can continue to produce and, and have an important role. Whether you want to say he's fully in that, in that category of you can rely on him and, and take it to the bank, you know, to be honest, I don't know if we'll ever get to that point this year. Um, they just started, he started, all those bigs, they started from such a, such a far point behind. Uh, you know, they, they, they just never really got any kind of flow and rhythm and consistency um, with, within one of those guys. And, and he's getting close. He's gaining on it. And, and it's certainly looking like, you know, he's heading in that direction. But um, it, that's also coinciding with, with, you know, the most important part of the season coming up. So um, will, will he be a big part of the rotation and a factor if he plays well tonight? I think the answer to that is probably definitely. Probably definitely. It doesn't get more sure than that. Um, but, you know, I, I think as far as what you went with your question is, is saying, you know, a guy you can rely on, um, I think we need to see a handful more games and maybe even some more breakout games before we get to that point because it's just so hard to rely on a guy who's played such little amount of basketball as, as, a, as a KU player and, and for Bill Self and, and with real stuff on the line. Talking with Matt Tate, Orange Journal World, KUSports.com. Uh, this weekend, we're going to get a peek at the top four seeds, top 16 overall, however you want to view it, uh, coming into the NCAA tournament, what the committee is is kind of viewing everything. And, you know, right now, most places you look, Kansas is either like one of the, the last one seeds or one of the top two seeds. Uh, what do you think would be more beneficial? I feel like we have this conversation once a year, so I, I don't know. Maybe it's fun to, to bring it back up. But obviously this year is one of the years that Kansas City is hosting a regional. Do you think it would be more beneficial for Kansas to be a one seed in, say, the East or you know somewhere outside of the Midwest, or to be a two seed if it was in Kansas City? I, I think you stay close to home whenever you can. Um, you know, first of all, the one-two thing doesn't matter until the Elite Eight round, right? So um, you, you, both of those seeds have to win some games to get to that point, and 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 really, you obviously, win two just to get to the regional site. So. Um, I, I think that, that you have such an advantage with your fans being close. You'll have a home environment there. Um, there, there are advantages to traveling and, and, you know, having a tighter huddle on the road and all those things that, that kind of put that, that us against the world mentality in, in a team's, you know, back pocket. But there are also advantages to playing at a place you're comfortable playing. And, you know, sleeping in your own bed and all those things. I guess they wouldn't do that. They'd still stay in 
they'd still stay in a hotel over in Kansas City, but you know, the travel is much less demanding at that point. So, I, for for my money, it's still if you can play NCAA tournament games in Kansas City, uh, you do that at all costs whenever you get a chance. And and it's crazy because you think about that team that was a four seed and and went out to Salt Lake, right? They ended up being in regional that year. They didn't make it because they got drubbed by Auburn. Um, but how crazy is that to think, you know, that they were, even as a four seed, they almost got a chance to play in Kansas City. So, um, you know, I, I don't I don't think anybody's opinion is crazy on that. If, if, if you say it's better to be one, so be it. I understand that. Um, if you'd rather go away and not have the, the local distractions, that makes sense to me too. But um, if you're asking me my opinion, I'm, I'm taking the closer game, easy travel for fans, um, you know, you, you you're going to have a, a ridiculous advantage in that building. And obviously that didn't matter in, in, in 2017 when they lost to Oregon there in the Elite Eight. Um, but, you know, it didn't hurt them against Purdue the game before that. So there's a, there, there's a lot that, that can be gained by that, and, and I, I think they would probably take that every time. He is Matt Tate. You can find all his work in the Lawrence Journal World at KUSports.com. Matt, appreciate all the time uh, and uh, enjoy enjoy your uh, stay down in Stillwater and can't wait to talk to you next week. It's impossible not to. One thing, too, the bracketology that came out today with Lenardi, um, you might have already seen it, you might have already talked about it, but he, he said KU is the fourth one seed right now. And he said even a loss tonight will not change that in his mind. So if that doesn't tell you kind of the respect that Oklahoma State's getting right now. Um, I, I, I think, you know, that should be very clear because all of a sudden this went from, uh, well, they're not very good to, gosh, this this would even be considered a, a quote-unquote good loss. So uh, we'll see. But if you're Kansas, you obviously want to win it, and it, it's important for the race, and it's important for your seed and all that stuff. So uh, huge game. It really, it really turned out to be a really big one, especially after last night's result. All right. Well, uh, Matt, appreciate the time again, man. Check out all his work tonight after the game. KSports.com, LJ World. Have a good one. All right, guys. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good week. All right. Thank you to you. That's Matt Tate, Lawrence in the World, KSports.com. One hour down, two to go. We've got a uh, fun Valentine's Day segment next. Kevin Flaherty will join us at 440. we got a deep deliberations on the Super Bowl coming in the 5 o'clock hour. More RCST coming up after this time out. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. 4 o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, we'll have our Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk and our game picks for the game coming up in the 5 o'clock hour here. Kevin Flaherty is going to join us at 440. This is RCST with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Are you looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. So today is is Valentine's Day, and yep. uh, we're going to do a little fun segment. Explain what we're going to be doing here, Nick, because right. you put this together. All right, so here's how it's going to work. This is the KU Basketball Valentine's Day mix and match game. So you're basically matching two players uh, that you want to pair up, have them become married or whatever, basically, for Valentine's Day. So the KU Basketball Valentine's Day match game, here's how it works. I have come up with uh, the list of 
KU basketball All-Americans. So these are players who were either first or second team All-Americans uh, all the way back to 1950s and 60s is what we've got here. I've broken them down into different categories, and the way this game will work is each of us, you're going to select two players from two different eras that you would like to match together to create what would essentially be, be the core of a KU basketball team if you were creating a team. And then you can fill it out with anybody else. But, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the great KU basketball teams have at least one All-American on them, sometimes two. So you're basically taking two from different areas that you would like to see play together, match them together in a beautiful Valentine's Day ceremony and create your team. Okay. So I would like to I add one, I don't know, amendment, I guess, sure. maybe. Yeah. So I yeah, I broke it down by I'll I'll explain how I broke it down, but I didn't go by coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh because if you did by coaches, you'd have like twenty guys in a Bill Self area you could No, play. yeah, that's fine. My they amendment. can't have played together in real life, though. Yes, correct. Uh, my amendment is I think you should be able to pick coaches in this. If I want a, a pair of coach with a player. Okay, fine. All out. Okay. All right, so let me, go, let me run through the players real quick. So here's how I broke it down. These are these are all guys that were all Americans at Kansas. So from the 1950s and 1960s, you have Clyde Lovett, Will, Will Chamberlain, Walt Wesley, JoJo White. From the 1970s and 1980s, you have Bud Stallworth and Danny Manning. From the 1990s, you have Jacques Vaughn, Rafe LaFrance, and Paul Pierce. From 2000 to 2005, you have Kirk Heinrich, Drew Gooden, Nick Carlson, Wayne Simeon. From 2006 to 2012, you have Sharon Collins, Cole Aldridge, Marcus Morris, Thomas Robinson. From 2013 to 2016, you have Jeff Withy, Ben McLemore, Andrew Wiggins, Perry Ellis. And from 2017 to present, you have Frank Mason, Devontae Graham, Devon Dotson, Yudoka Azubuki, and Ochai Abadji. So, the rules are, there's two rules here. You can't take two players that played with each other. So, for instance, like Frank Mason and Perry Ellis, I have them in different eras, but you can't pick them together because they played together. The second rule is that you have to pick two players from, from two different eras. So, basically... You can't select Thomas Robinson and Sharon Collins. You can't select Ochai and Perry Ellis. You can't select Wayne Simeon and Kirk Heinrich. You can't select Bud Stallworth and Danny Manning. They have to sure. be from the different era. They have to be from players from different eras. Yeah, that different I have brackets. Out, yeah, different okay. brackets that I have outlined. So, I don't know how you want to draft it. However, we can do it. We can just make. You can just come up with some teams. I mean, there's obviously a lot of different ways you can approach this. You've already suggested that you want to include coaches. Yeah, because I, so, I have a coach and a player so that I Bill really want. Bill Self, pair. Roy Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are some of the other coaches? I don't know. Uh, Ted Owens, but Ted I don't. Owens. I would have no rhyme or reason for that. <laughs> like, I guess Fog Allen. But yeah. I, I don't know anything about like. Oh, See, that's the this thing. Is the type of the, scheme yeah, the that reason, Fog Allen was running. Yeah. So the reason for for maybe older fans who remember that Larry there Brown. are other uh, All Americans before the 1950s, I cut it off there because. We wanted to select players that at least Derek and I have some sort of, uh, at least, understanding of how they play, basically. So I didn't want I didn't want to go back to like 1912. Yeah, or whatever. totally cool, totally cool. So I, I, just I have a reason for my coach one. We'll get there when we get there. I say okay. we each take. Uh, so you want to each four, four duos? Let's four do four. duos. Okay. So I think we should go back and forth. So like you sure. select one. Okay. If if you select a player, is that player good done then? Yeah. Nobody else can select. Yep. Okay. Correct. Okay. Okay. So you want, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll just I'll do my coach right. and player one right off the bat. Okay, well, no, 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 no. Oh, You do okay. one, and I'll do one, and then you do the other. Does that make sense? No. What do you mean? So I, you, you're wanting me to pick one of the players? I thought I was picking the, the pair. Okay, I thought yeah, I was pick picking the, the couple. No, no, that's fine. Pick, right? the pick the couple. I want to pick the couple. Okay, pick the couple. Okay, I am uh, pairing Wilt Chamberlain <laughs> okay. with Bill Self. 
Okay. Okay, Bill Self has these unbelievable <laughs> offenses that get big men easy buckets. It gets them easy yep. angles. It gets them great entries into the post. You put Wilt Chamberlain in a Bill Self offense, and now it's space and everything. Like, we always go back to the 1957 national title game. Wilt Chamberlain and KU loses in triple overtime to North Carolina. Okay. And he's just getting, like, double-teamed, triple-teamed all game. Well, Bill Self is going to design a great offense around that. KU is going to be unreal if they have Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Self as the head coach uh, player pairing. I think okay. that is, I mean, that's the best coach in KU history. That's the best player in KU history. Yes, probably, yeah. Boom. Yeah. You're winning a title every year. <laughs> All four years. Guaranteed. All four years that he's there. All right, I'm looking at this list. I feel like, mm, all right, I want Paul Pierce. I'm going to pair Paul Pierce with, I think, Doak. Paul Pierce and Doak. Okay. I think Any that's a good reason? combo. I think it's a good combo because you you get your rim protection and you'll be locked down at the center position. And then you've got a guy who's just an absolute flamethrower that can score at will on the outside that can just absolutely get his own basket, do anything you want, and go score. But you still have to respect the post play of Doak. So I think, and also Doak, I think will bring a lot more on the defensive end. I'm gonna go with uh, with Doak and mm-hmm. Paul. That's a good one. I don't have a lot of. I guess I don't have a lot of ball handling with that, but that's fine. Well, I mean, we're only picking two right yeah, now. Yeah, we're picking so, I mean, two players. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So then hypothetically, you would fill out the rest of your roster yeah. based on these two players. You're not just having nobody else. Yes. Um, yes. Okay, I uh, I want to pair Danny Manning with somebody, but the question is who. Part of me wants to pair Danny Manning with do another coach and do Roy Williams. How how great have we seen Roy Williams when he has big men and they're running up and down the floor? But I mean, Danny Manning already okay, did that with. Larry I'm going to ban I'm not you from picking another coach. No, that's fine. I'm not. I'm not going to do it pick, anyway. Pick the player. You're fine. Um, you're banned from coaches now. We could do Danny Manning and Rafe LaFrance and just go with like insane front court. <laughs> we could do. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually skirt from this. I'm okay. gonna go with Rafe LaFrentz. Okay. And I want a point guard that I can run pick and pops with him. Okay. Because I think in nowadays uh game, you're gonna run more pick and pops than maybe you did back in the nineties when Rafe LaFrentz was at Kansas and he showed a, a real nice affinity to hitting, you know, mid range uh, jump shots and everything. Okay. And when I think of a point guard that would be elite at doing that with him, it's Devontae Graham. Devontae yeah. Graham would be really good at both finding the open man off those pick and pops because Think about it. If, you, if you're running a pick and roll with Rafe LaFrance and Devontae Graham, it's not just that Devontae Graham can find Rafe LaFrance, but now the defense is going, oh, no, they have these two studs running a pick and roll. We have too much attention there. Now somebody else is open in the corner. Devontae yeah. slings it to him. Or if you go under the screen, Devontae can Devontae's pass Devontae's a three. 45% three-point shooter. So I, th- I think that's a really fun pairing. I'll do uh, Devontae Graham and uh, Rafe LaFrance. Okay. Okay. Let's see what I want to do here. I want to use Thomas Robinson somehow. Yeah, honestly, there was a bit of me thinking too about T Rob with uh, Roy Williams for the same idea that just like you think of all his yeah. great big men that have worked together. And guys. What, what about Thomas Robinson and Danny Manning? Would that be crazy? Um, yeah. Or would that be I too don't much? love that defense. Would that be too much? I don't love that defensively. I'll just say that. You don't need any defense. You just have to <laughs> You don't need any defense. I think that you're going to be lacking a bit in rim protection. So like yeah, yeah. if I mean, we're playing in really, today's version of the yeah. NBA or, or or college basketball, sorry. Um you'd be probably fine, right? 
No, because I don't love playing two traditional big men together in today's version of college basketball where it is so pace and space. And also, neither guy was like an elite shot blocker. You know, it's yeah. one thing to play that yeah. way if you have an elite shot blocker where it condenses the floor so much. Yeah. I don't know. Just my just my take. All right, all right, all right. How about you, you uh, do whatever you want? Yeah, I mean, this is my match. I yeah. can do I can match anybody I want. Yeah. I don't have to listen to you. Yeah. It's your cupid. <laughs> um I want to use T Rob somehow. Okay, I have what a about, good one for you with T Rob. What's that? Do you want help? Sure, I was yeah. gonna say Jock Vaughn. Because okay, T-Rob I was looking is, at Jock Vaughn. I was looking at Kirk Heinrich. T-Rob is so insane at throwing down like alley-oops. Yeah. Jock Vaughn's going to hit him so many times on those and pick and rolls. Like T-Rob was a great pick and roll big man. Um, okay. I'm going to go with T-Rob and Jock Vaughn. Okay. That's my pairing. Because Jock Vaughn, he's a clutch shooter. You know, late in the game. You need a big shot. He's there for you. Okay. That's my pairing. All right. You have, so we, have, we each have two left? Yes. I kind of want to go JoJo White with someone. I mean, I'm I'm very tempted to do like JoJo White and uh, see Devon Dotson and JoJo White would be fun. JoJo being able to be your like both are kind of combo guards. JoJo can just hit a bunch of shots on the outside, but is JoJo White better than Ochai Baji? So maybe I'm better off going Ochai. Devon but Dotson, Ochai, but that they played together, so yeah, I can't, you can't pick, pick Devon. Yeah. So you'd have to pick Ochai and like I don't know. Kirk, you know if you're I'm looking just for a guard, Kirk Heinrich. No, I'm, I'm just going to do this one. This is going to be KU basketball porn. Oh. I think I can say that on there. I don't, I don't know, know why not. It's just a word can. describing something. It's not <laughs> an, a bad word. Uh, Frank Mason and and, uh, and Danny Manning. I mean, that's just, yeah. Yeah. That's just probably the best point guard you in got, KU basketball history. Yep. The most accomplished player in KU basketball history yep. with Danny Manning. Yep. I mean. Frank Mason's got that dog. It's going to be really good. I, I don't even need to talk about like fit or anything. It's just That's just a really good. Frank Mason's twosome. got that dog in him. He does. All right, so here's who we have. I just want to give a quick rundown of who we have left to select from. Mm-hmm. We have from the 1950s and 60s, Claude Lavette, Walt Wesley, Jojo White, Paul Bud Stallworth from the 70s, uh, and then from 2000 to 2005, Kirk Heinrich, Drew Gooden, Nick Collison, Wayne Simeon, Sharon Collins, Cole Aldridge, Marcus Morris, Jeff Withy, Ben, La- ben McLemore, Andrew Wiggins, Harry Ellis, Devon Dotson, Oach. Okay, so... You know what would be a crazy pairing? What's that? Imagine if you could pair Marcus Morris with Markeith Morris. Like, what? what if those guys were actually related, you know, and they played together? That'd be funny. That would be an interesting pairing. It'd be wild. Maybe I should go with Marcus Morris. <laughs> How about Marcus Morris and Devon Dotson? Okay. What do you think of that? I, I want to know why. I don't know why. I just, those are the two that jumped out at me. It's just... <laughs> it's the match game. I just those are the two that match that I matched up. <laughs> but if there's no reason to match them up, you just well, like I wanted to the use room one and you're like you. you I wanted you're going to on use a date. Marcus Morris and I was like, nah. I don't know. Okay, I will say this to try to defend. I'm I'm trying to come up with a reason for you because okay. the whole point of this isn't just to pick two good basketball players and be like, go do your thing. <laughs> go be a it's team. To find good pairs. And no, I understand. I think that. If you view it from, well, Devon Dotson is so good at just getting into the lane, the teeth of the defense. Marcus Morse could be a good pick-and-pop partner for him, setting a screen yeah. and then folding out from three. Devon drives in the lane, kicks it out to him, and he hits a three. Yeah. I think that could be good for him, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're right. Put They're, it on the board. Okay. So now we got a lot of options. Um, 
Yeah, see, this is why I try to tear it out because we have a lot of guys now that are left from, like, Bill Self. Yeah. Hmm. I kind of want to go Sharon Collins with someone. Um, could go Ochai with someone. Sharon and Cole was just such a good duo. I know we can't pick them. Uh, there was just such a good duo that, like, I, I feel like I don't need to mess with well, that. Was there anybody comparable that you could swap out that you think would be good as well? Mm. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. What's that? I think this would be a really fun one. I'm going to do Drew Gooden and Jeff Withy. So, okay. Jeff Withy and Thomas Robinson helped lead Kansas to a national title appearance. And you could make the argument that Drew Gooden and Jeff Withy would be a better pairing. I don't know who was better between Drew Gooden and Thomas Robinson. Like, I think collectively over the course of each three years career, it's definitely Drew Gooden. But if you just look at their peak season, which this is based on being, both players' junior years were electric. Um, statistically, both were insane. So they're both about even there. The one thing that I think Drew Gooden could make this lineup even more fun for me than with the T-Rob to Jeff with you one is that with Drew Gooden, he could space it a little bit more than T-Rob could. Like T-Rob was pre pretty exclusive to being down low. I think Drew Gooden probably a little bit better defender and also could hit those mid-range shots. I just I, I want to see what that looks like. Okay. Okay. So do I have one more? Yeah. No. Or are we done? Yes. Yes, you do. I have right. one more, right? No. Yes. Dude. Yeah, you do. What is going on? <laughs> okay. There's Kirk Heinrich, Nick Collison, Wayne Simeon, Sharon Collins, Cole Aldridge, Je oh, no, Ben McLemore. I mean, you could go all out shooters, Bud Stallworth and like Ochag Baji, just yeah. lighten it up from the yeah. outside. Or even or even Bud Stallworth and Ben McLemore. Yeah. <clears throat> Those could be good. Or you, you could, could also go, pair McLemore and, ba and Baji together. Yeah. You go kind of the same thing I did, Nick Collison, Cole Aldridge. Two different guys. Yeah. No, I think I'm going to go with Bud Stallworth and, and Ben McLemore. I just want all guys that can just shoot and play that, that sort of wing position. Okay. I like it. What do you think of that? Perfect. Uh, I'll throw one in. Fog Allen and <laughs> Hunter Mickelson. But then we go back to 1940 and Hunter Mickelson is now the National Player of the Year. I was about to say, wouldn't he be the best player of the year at that point? Yes. Dude, Clyde Lavellet was like 6'7", putting up like... 18 and 15. It doesn't take away from his accomplishments because you, you go with what you're against, you know. Yeah. He's one of the greatest players in KU basketball history. But, yeah. And, you know, you put anybody in any different era, they have the benefits of that era too. But, yeah, if we just toss him back in time, we're good to go. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Valentine's Day match game. Yep. Happy Valentine's Day out there. All right, we got some uh, Big 12 basketball talk next. Kevin Flaherty joins us 20 minutes. This is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Kevin Flaherty will join us in less than 15 minutes. And right now, we have the uh, KU hockey game on the airwaves on Thursday night. We got a little high school basketball this Friday night, the city showdown between Lawrence High and Free State. KU basketball coming at you tonight and Saturday. And then we got your uh, KU women's basketball action, all your Hawk Talks right here on your original home for the Jayhawks. So big one in the Big 12 last night. Texas Tech upended Texas. Oh, well, that sucks, Texas. I, I think it does two things. One, it, it puts less pressure on the game tonight for Kansas. Because now if you lose, you're still just a game back, kind of where you were. But the flip side to that, 
is it's a big missed opportunity if you lose <clears throat> now yes, tonight. Hundred percent. But it also looks like we finally know, or we should know after tonight even more so, the tears of the Big Twelve. Right? Maybe. What do you mean, maybe? I've I've only been having this conversation for like the past month. That's what I'm saying. I I feel like I'm I'm never ready to settle in. I'm ready. Maybe once we get to the last week. Are are you ready? I'm going to tell you what it is right now. Okay. Ready? Let's do it. KU Baylor and Texas at the top. Okay. K State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, TCU in the second tier. If Oklahoma State wins tonight, maybe put them in the first tier. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. And then the bottom tier, West Virginia, Oklahoma Tech. Boom. Done. The Big 12 has been solved. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Enjoy your life. I've conquered the Big 12. Don't worry. Everything's fine. Voila. Okay. Um, what happens if... Hmm. Yeah, that's right. No, you have again, no response. Because no, you know that I'm right. You know problem, that I'm right. It's just like... You if, can say it. It's okay. If one it's of okay the teams to admit that I'm right. in Tier 2 wins... Three straight games, we're just going to be, you know, or two straight games, <clears throat> it's going to be back to this. No, I'm confident in this in this tier right here. I think it's flawless. Should West Virginia be on a tier of their own and then another tier attacking OU? West Virginia just lost their last two Big 12 games by a combined, like, 70 they points. They're still ranked 24th on Ken Palm. I don't care. My eyeballs tell me they suck. I watched both their games. They also beat Iowa State. They beat Oklahoma I, I, by 32. I, 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 I I don't care. They beat Oklahoma and Tech when they played them the last two times okay. by a combined 47. And they lost to Baylor and Texas by a combined 60. Yeah, but they're not on the same tier as those. You put them on the same tier as OU and Tech, who they beat by a combined 47. Okay, listen. If you want to have W West Virginia on their own little fancy tier, sure. Go knock yourself out. I'm not going to stop you. All I'm telling you is they just lost their last two games by 50. Okay. I was just asking the question. I just gave you the answer. Okay. So it sounds like, to me, you agree with my tier. No, I mean, I, I think wrong. right now... I don't think now, there's I, wrong with it. Sure. Right now, I it's agree flawless. with this. But it's like, perfect. There's nothing wrong. Again, I, I, th- I think... 100% right. I have learned enough from the course of this Big 12 season to say that this will probably be different in a week. I don't think that's the case. Unless yeah. K, unless KU loses tonight. <laughs> but see, there's there's the crux right there. <laughs> if you're fully admitting that if this one thing happens, it's different, then it's different. It, I don't I don't think it would be different. No, it would just be that Oklahoma State would be the first team in the second tier. Okay. So yeah, this is tier. Okay. Also, the other thing is, I think it's pretty clear now that uh, that the Big Twelve is going to have seven teams in the tournament, no more, no less. Right. You don't think West Virginia gets there? No. I don't think West Virginia gets there. I just told you. My eyeballs tell me they stink. But, like... I don't care what the metrics say. <laughs> they suck. Period. And I... It's it's pretty much seven guaranteed. I'm going to call point. a spade a spade here and say that they suck when I watch them. Okay, but there are a lot of teams that are not, like, that good that make the tournament. Because you have to I fill understand. the tournament with a certain amount of teams. I understand. But, I have but, this, but West Virginia is going to lose too many games. I have this one friend who every year in college football, he'll, like... He'll be like, who have you beaten to, you know, random teams? And it'll be like, well, we beat the sixth best team in the country and the 12th. And he's like, yeah, but that team sucks. That team sucks. And at the end of the day, he goes down the list and he's like, there's, th- yeah, that team sucks. That team. And there's like yeah, three it turns teams out left. That everyone sucks. That everyone sucks. And there's only three good teams. Correct. And so nobody else should be ranked. And that, you know, no, it's like somebody has to be fourth. Even if you don't think they're that good, they have to be still the I, fourth best listen, team in the country. I get it. I get it. 100%. I know. 
Dude, West Virginia on bracket matrix is a nine seed. <laughs> I think they're going to get eight. Because between West Virginia, honestly, Who dude. Is West, what, what is West Virginia? What does the rest of their schedule look like? Um, here, I have it now. They're 15 and 11 right now. They have Texas Tech at home. You should win, you'd think. Oklahoma State at home. Mm, could lose that. At Kansas at Iowa State. Lose, lose. And K State at home. So they're gonna be they're gonna be sixteen and sixteen. I think they could go two and three there. And be seventeen and fifteen. It'd be seventeen and fourteen. Seventeen and fourteen. Whatever. Math is. And not then they my would be team. in the play in game in the Big Twelve. They would tournament. have to win multiple Big Twelve tournament games. Well at that point they'd be in the play in game, so they could get a win there. But let's say they did lose in the first round. At that point, they would be uh, seventeen and sixteen, right? <laughs> Where is your your math is messing me up because it's so wrong? No, they would be eighteen and fifteen. What? No way! <laughs> How? Your math is because they're fifteen me up. and eleven. If they go two and three, and then one and one, the Big Twelve tournament, fifteen and fifteen and eleven, puts them at three and four, and three puts them at eighteen and fifteen, seventeen. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Fourteen. Play two more Nick, games. what is 15 plus 3? <laughs> 18. Thank you. Well, it took you a while there. Is that what, what you said? Yes. What is 11 plus 4? <laughs> 15. Okay. There you go. No, but they're not going to... No, they're going to lose. Didn't Texas make it at like 18 and 15 a few years ago? Am I wrong with that? Yeah, um, but that's, they got it off their brand. So I think West Virginia very well could make it. And then that's, honestly, that's, like... That's BCS dollar signs with Texas getting in. Whatever you... I I don't think it's unreal. Basically, this is how I view it. Whoever wins the Texas Tech-West Virginia game on Saturday, I think is going to get the eighth team in. You're telling me Texas Tech still has a chance to get in? If Texas Tech wins at West Virginia on Saturday, they would be 15-12. and 12. And then they've had Oklahoma. They still have to play TCU, Kansas, and Oklahoma State. And they've gotten hot at home. They've won their last three home games, which have come over Iowa State, K-State, and Texas. Those are really good teams. So, if they go, if they win both those home games... And they win at West Virginia. All of a sudden, they're sitting at seventeen and thirteen heading into. But the But you just said West Virginia. But no, hang on, because now you're saying well, West Virginia needs to. No, yeah. So I, did you hear so what West, I said? So, but what if West Virginia loses that home to Texas Tech? Then how are they going to get in? I'm uh, literally thirty seconds ago. I said whoever wins the Texas Tech West Virginia game, I think will make it. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for listening. My my hearing skills are almost as bad as my math skills. <laughs> okay. So I think they get an eighth. That's where I'm at. Fine. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe. Well, let's talk to uh, Kevin Flaherty we about this. We can ask Kevin about this. Yeah, we'll talk to him about how many teams he thinks get in. I don't want Kev- I don't want to talk to Kevin about math, though. I'm going to only ask him math questions. Let's see how much Kevin knows <laughs> about kind of, uh, calculus. What kind of yeah. math he can do? What's, his, what's your favorite equation? Isn't today uh, like National Equation Day or e something? equals MC squared. Is Wait, it true? What? No. I feel, I well, feel there's I like that there's Pi Day. That's in March. There's Mathematics Day. That's the 22nd. I don't know. Of February? Hey, did you know yesterday was no, uh, International Radio Day? Oh, congrats to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shout out to us. <laughs> Shout out to us. Uh, he is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. Join us next. This is RCST. <laughs> Welcome back in. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. We're joined now by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. It's always fun for me sitting on the this side of the table because I used to be on, on Nick's side, the producer. And, and as the producer, one of your jobs, you, you call up the guests before the show starts. And, uh, you know, you get to talk with the guests for a, a little bit before they come on the show. And I, I just hear Nick over here talking about 
given dating advice with Kevin. So this is actually a spark day, a, uh, I don't know, question for me here. First things first, Kevin, non-basketball question. You're married. I'm married. Nick is not. What dating advice should we give Nick? I have a quote from Socrates that I think works really, really well that I always have on my profile because I, I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's like two thousand plus year old shade to his wife. But you know, Socrates said, you know, said back in the day, my advice too is to get married. If you find a good wife, you'll be happy. If not, you'll become a philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that because obviously, you know, Socrates was one married into a philosopher. So you, you can read between the lines there. But no, it's a happy Valentine's Day to both of you guys. This is uh, this is absolutely where I want to be for my Valentine's Day. Oh, I love it. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, certainly if, if we're, I don't know, uh, shooting Cupid's arrows down and trying to pick the the top two teams in the Big 12 and, and pair them together. Seems like uh, things have been whittled down a little bit. KU, Texas, and Baylor, uh, just like just like we all thought from the very beginning, right? No, no uh, ups and downs from here to get there. Are, are you expecting it to stay that way from here on out the rest of the season, or do you think we're going to have more bumps in the road? Uh, I, see, I think bumps in the road in this Big 12 season makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> I do. I do think you know. You look at that Texas schedule and, and the fact that that Kansas and, and Texas and Baylor all play each other. You know, heading down the stretch, it, it is going to be interesting to see if somebody takes a couple losses there. Whether there is a, a fourth team like an Iowa State or somebody like that that can sneak up, like say if if Texas loses both to Baylor and to Kansas and drops a couple games, whether there's another team that can that can climb up there. But I, I think Baylor is, is the hottest team in the conference right now. They certainly seem to have uh, have found their stride pretty well. Kansas has won, what, I think four or five now and, and is looking pretty good, the one loss being sort of the no-show at Iowa State. And, and Texas is interesting because Texas is – putting itself behind the eight ball a lot in terms of getting behind early. And obviously that was something that we've talked about on this very show earlier this year with regard to Kansas, right? Because that was a problem early in the big 12 season. Even when Kansas was winning games, you look at games like the Oklahoma state game and some of those other contests, they were making it a lot more difficult on themselves than maybe it had to be. Texas is kind of in that stretch right now, and so I think the interesting there, thing there will be, is Texas going to be able to fix that, or is that the sort of thing where Texas is currently tied for first, and that's going to be the thing that ultimately we look back and say this is the reason Texas didn't win the Big 12 or didn't wind up tied for the Big 12 lead. You mentioned uh, Baylor as being one of the hot teams in the conference, Kansas obviously as well, but what about Oklahoma State? They've won five in a row, including four in conference, coming off a big win at Iowa State. They look like they're one of the hottest teams also. What have you seen from them recently that you think has kind of sparked this this little run that Oklahoma State's been on to where now if they win tonight, they're suddenly in the conversation for the title potentially? Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating team, right? Because you, you look at this Oklahoma State team, and I think a lot of us, myself included, and I wrote a, a feature before the season started on, you know, talking to Mike Boynton about sort of how this year's team was going to be different because last year's team, if you looked at the record and their struggles and everything, 
a lot of that was was arguably due to the fact that they didn't have anything to play for, right? They had no postseason, and so when people were projecting Oklahoma State onto this year, maybe that wasn't something that people looked at enough. They said, yeah, you're returning guys, but you lost a lot of games last year. Well, Boynton, you know, made the point of, you know, you try your best and everybody tries to come in motivated and everything, but when you're playing a team in December and non-conference play, where where's the motivation to come in that Tuesday and really, you know, work hard like this is going to be a game that's is going to impact you potentially on the NCAA tournament bubble and and I think that because of a lot of that, I expected Oklahoma State to maybe be this team a little bit earlier this year, but they've certainly hit their stride. You look at the fact that uh, Musa Cisse has has kind of moved to coming off the bench. I think it is a little bit of uh, of a part of that. I, I think the interesting thing, obviously, is asking whether this is sustainable with Avery Anderson now going to be out for. Uh, Mike Boynton says indefinitely. Some people say the season's probably over for him, so that's something that bears watching. But overall, it, it's a team that, that really went through quite a bit last year with all of that, with the NCAA tournament ban, and they've kind of just found their stride and found their footing over the last couple of weeks. Talking with Kevin Flaherty here, and with KU taking on Oklahoma State tonight, what, what kind of sticks out to you about what Kansas has to do well to win the game and uh, kind of, I guess, assert themselves into that uh, tie with with Baylor and Texas and, and push Oklahoma State away? Well, I mean, Oklahoma State is a really high-level defensive team. They are. I think they're fifth in the country and adjusted defensive efficiency. The thing that you can't do that, you know, almost cost Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse is you can't let Oklahoma State just walk into open jump shots. And I think if you look at what happened in that first game, Kansas's defense wasn't up to snuff in the first half. It wasn't. And there are going to be some people who are going to look at it and say, well, Oklahoma State shot the lights out. It's somewhat similar with the TCU game in that if you're giving somebody those kinds of shots, I mean, Derek, Nick, I know you guys go to a lot of these games and everything. Have you ever watched a Big 12 team warm up? Like, they make everything. And if you're not putting pressure on guys, if you're letting them have, you know, quote-unquote warm-up jumpers, I think that that's – it's hard for you to say, hey, this team just shot lights out. That's that's why we're in a tough spot. And it's a lot easier to say, well, most teams are going to shoot lights out when you give up those kinds of shots. And so I think the defensive intensity is going to be really huge. I thought that – Really, kind of as weird as it is, as weird as it sounds, that kind of saved them against Oklahoma. I know that it was, you know, a twenty-plus point win, but you look at the start of that, and Kansas scored what was it? I think four points in the first like nine minutes or so. You know, that's a situation where you can be down sixteen to four, twenty to four, and all of a sudden, you know, you got to get your shovel out because you're digging back from a major deficit. Instead, I don't know that they ever trailed by more than six, and it was they were able to to sort of keep within arm's reach and then pulled things back and obviously went on to a win. I think that defensive intensity is going to be really key for tonight and for them moving on. They really need to kind of have that all the time, I think, if this Kansas team is going to reach their potential this year. 
Well, we were having a conversation in our previous segment about how many teams we think are going to make the Big 12 or the uh, NCAA tournament from the Big 12. Seems like seven have kind of locked themselves in. Obviously, in this form of the Big 12, you could lose five straight games. And, you know, if you're Oklahoma State and that were to happen to you, that could certainly change the precipice. But feels like those top seven are in good sp- uh, spots. Uh, do you think there will be an eighth team in? That's kind of where the discussion hinged for us. And West Virginia, I think by a lot of sites, is being projected there right now. But if they lose a lot of these games down the stretch, who knows what the record looks like? Certainly Texas Tech is is maybe that, you know, that WWE meme with I, I don't know wrestlers, so but it's the guy who like wakes back up from the coffin. The Undertaker. Undertaker, Bro, there we go. On. I'm sorry. What? I'm not, hey, that's I, I just don't know wrestling. I never oh watched my, it. So oh, like, you know. oh. Well, that's why you're here. You, you fill in my gaps, Nick. Um, oh, thank so, you. <laughs> uh, I, I guess, what do you think? Do you, do you think at the end of the day they're going to get seven in, eight in? What, what's kind of the number you're looking at? Yeah, it's it's interesting because West Virginia, and a lot of it is, is computers love West Virginia. But West Virginia right now is, I think, projected to finish 7-11 and 11 in the Big 12. And if that happens, West Virginia's in. But I think this is where things get get fascinating, guys, in that no team from the Big 12, since they've gone to the 18-man schedule or 18-teams, you know, conference schedule, 18-game schedule, has gotten in with a record of worse than 7-11. Seven's been sort of the magic being it's the worst you can be and still get into the NCAA tournament. Now, obviously, we're all familiar with the narratives surrounding this year, right, and how good the Big 12 is and how deep the Big 12 is. And I think that's the fascinating thing is if West Virginia is sitting there at 6-12, and 12, is that enough? Does that get West Virginia? I think it's a really interesting question because I don't know that they're going to get to 7-11. To and 11. And I think the tough thing about Texas Tech is, yes, Texas Tech has a – has a chance to get more quality wins and, you know, technically you went out, you know, it's great and everything. Texas Tech didn't beat a team, I think, in Ken Palm's top 100 up until, you know, their first conference win. And so when you look at that, I think the non-conference play hurts Texas Tech. Even if that team does continue to get better, their only hope may be, you know, getting hot enough to, to win the games in the Big 12 tournament. But, I think that when you're looking at West Virginia, you're looking at the resume, at the net, at you know all these different things. If West Virginia is sitting there at six and twelve, that you know that has me rubbing my chin a little bit, saying you know, okay, this is this is the real question of how people see the Big Twelve this year. Six and twelve hasn't been good enough to get in in the past, but with everybody talking about how strong the league is with how weak the ACC is, with how weak some of the other conferences are. Is this the year that somebody says, you know what, they're 6-12 and 12 because somebody in the Big 12 had to be 6-12. and 12. Let's go ahead and invite West Virginia. Which Big 12 team, once we get to the NCAA tournament, do you think is most suited for a deep run? That's tough because I, I think it's probably a fully healthy TCU but at the same time, at this point, that's like Bigfoot, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, you see, you've seen it like walking through the forest, like in the shadows, but you, you haven't exactly been able to catch it in 4K or whatever. And, and so uh, I think TCU is the team that, you know, maybe has the best chance to win because TCU doesn't shoot the ball well and it doesn't seem to matter a, a ton with them a lot of times. 
So I, I think that TCU can win games even when the shots aren't falling. Baylor worries me a little bit because of the defense. Even with how good Baylor is, has been and, and all the different things that that have gone down there, I, I think you know you struggle a little bit on your shooting for a game or two. I think that the Baylor could be in trouble there. I don't love Texas to go a long way. I think Kansas, obviously, we're very familiar with with what the Jayhawks issues are. And so as weird as it sounds, uh, I'm kind of looking at that TCU team and saying, hey, if, if they're fully healthy, and not just fully healthy, but if they're fully healthy and Mike Miles and, and Lampkin are fully integrated back in to where – you know, TCU is playing with the chemistry and different things that they were playing earlier this year. I think it might be TCU as crazy as that sounds. Is there a, a team that probably will get a lower seed? So I guess hypothetically, if West Virginia or like Tech were to make it, or maybe in Oklahoma State, uh, depending how, how they kind of finish the year, uh, a team that maybe could pull an Iowa State last year, where where they're not seated super high, but you think could maybe win a game or two with the right matchups in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think Oklahoma State's a, a pain in the rear in that regard, and I think you know when you when you look at the different kinds of lineups that they can play you with, when if they face a legitimate center, you can get Musa Cisse out there, who's a tremendous shot blocker. If you know it's the type of team that you can play a little bit smaller, you can go with Boone at the five. You can do some different things there, and the fact again that that defense is going to travel, and so I do think Oklahoma State has a has a chance. Depending on, like you said, I mean, if they keep winning at this level, their seed's not going to be that low. But at the same time, I I do think that that that's a team that that gets pretty interesting. The more you look at them and saying, hey, if this is a nine or a 10 seed, depending on those matchups, they can be the type of team that sort of elicits a groan from their opponents on selection Sunday. Well, we get a early selection Sunday this weekend. I think it's actually sure. on Saturday. Uh, is there a team or two just across college basketball? Because obviously it's not the full picture, so you don't get an exact idea. But is there a team or two that you really have no idea where they'd be viewed by the committee now that, that maybe you're most interested to see where they're at? Or, or maybe just something thematically that, that you're interested in seeing on uh, Saturday? Yeah, I don't think they're going to be in the top 16 at least right now. But I think the most one of the most fascinating teams – I guess there are two things. One, how are they going to see the the West Coast Conference teams, right? Because Gonzaga hasn't really been Gonzaga this year. They haven't been the team that's just absolutely blown out everybody. There are issues there with, with the defense, with guard play, I think. And St. Mary's beat Gonzaga, albeit in overtime earlier this year. St. Mary's is actually the team between the two of them that pops more in terms of advanced metrics. And so I'm interested to see, you know, are those two in the top 16? If so, where are they at? And then beyond that, a team that's probably not going to be in the top 16 that I think is a team that really bears watching, and I know we've talked about it before, is Arkansas to me because of all the injuries that Arkansas has had. Nick Smith is now back. You know, you're, you don't usually have teams just casually add a potential top five pick you know, just right back into the fold in February, like, oh, hey, we've had this guy sitting over here. Do you care if he joins? You know, <laughs> and so it's, and Arkansas hasn't been bad without him. And so when you look at that team, when you look at 
the length, the athleticism, how many problems they can provide. Uh, I think adding Nick Smith in with that group, I'm not sure they're going to be in the top 16. I don't think they will be, but they're a team that it wouldn't shock me if Arkansas winds up being a team that they talk about on, on you know, selection Saturday, if you will, and, and kind of say, hey, this team didn't get in, but it's a team that we've got our eyeballs on to see how they, uh, how they play down the stretch. Well, he is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out all his work with 24-7 Sports. He's at KFlaherty247 on Twitter. Kevin, appreciate the time as always, man. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, that's Kevin Flaherty. Two hours down, one to go with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Derek's deep deliberations for the Super Bowl edition. We got uh, KU Game Picks, Rock Chalk Pickahawk all coming in the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST. 5 o'clock hour, we got Kansas-Oklahoma State. Pre-game starting at 6.30 from the Jayhawk Radio Network. That'll lead into tip-off at 8 o'clock right here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN. You can also listen to the game on our stream, klwn.com, the KLWN app, or on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Uh, we're going to get to some KU basketball talk. We got Rock Chuck, Pickahawk, KU game picks, and our uh, same-game parlay of the game coming up in our next segment, but... Uh, right now, a little more Super Bowl talk. Haven't done any more Super Bowl talk today, which, hey, that oh, was yeah. still cool. Yeah, that was sweet. <laughs> that was so awesome. Yeah. We should do it again next year. Agreed. Which, speaking of which, that'll lead us into See, this first point. Bang. Derek's Deep Deliberations Chief right. Super Bowl Edition. What and on of, that uh, note. Do you want any you want any special music for Derek's Deep Deliberations, or you just want? I want the Super Bowl music. Dun, 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 dun. But since we don't have it, that. since we didn't plan want? ahead, I need you to sing it the whole time. I didn't know if you wanted a specific but yes, like, please play some music. theme or I don't care. CBS Do or... Dealer's Choice. You're the producer. Produce. All right. Every decade, if you well, go some back... Some of these beds, I don't know what they are, so I'm a little nervous to play. <laughs> play a risk. Why not? You know? Feeling, right, right, feeling right, risky right, today. No, I'll just leave it. It's fine. No, no, no. We're switching. We're oh, switching. okay. I mean, if this is like death metal, it's not going to go well. Oh, you're playing the, the sci-fi music. Okay, that's going to certainly change the mood here. Okay, never mind, never mind, never mind. We'll go back to the other one. Um, I, this has gone off to a horrible start. Okay, every decade... <laughs> I think it's gone off to a great start. <laughs> every decade has had an NFL dynasty. You got the 60s with the Packers, right? Okay, yep. 70s with the Steelers. 80s uh, yep. with the 49ers. Okay. 90s with the Cowboys. 2000s with the Patriots. 2010s with the Patriots. I, I do wonder, though, like... Do we have to pick a team of the deck? What happens if we get to a decade where a team doesn't win where three Super Bowls? every team, like 10 years, every team wins a different year? Well, like the 80s, it almost happens. The 49ers won in 1981. They won their next two in 88 and 89. Technically, the 89 and 90 Super Bowls. Okay. So it was the they had to finish it out. Otherwise, nobody would have won more than two. And then I guess, I don't know who the team of the decade... Like, team of the decade versus dynasty is different, so I get that. But yeah. every decade has had Does a dynasty. Does the NFL do a team of the decade thing? I don't think so. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you know they they do like the top 100 players. They yeah. do like all kinds of. I didn't know if they actually did like a special. Yeah, I don't know. I just I I know that it, it's kind of worked out that every you know team of the decade or franchise of the decade. It's just you could just say well whoever won the uh, okay. Uh, so won here's a an interesting question for you. Uh huh. Speaking of team of the decades, the Chiefs' first Super Bowl was in the 2019 season, but yeah. they won in 2020. So does that mean they needed to win more than one Super Bowl this decade to be? This team of the decade, because technically the one Super Bowl they they already won was not necessarily. I mean, it was right, but it was like the 2019 season. But yeah, see, see, that's the thing. So when we when we usually count 
When people talk about what team that was, like when people say the 1966 Packers, it's the 66 regular season, but it's the 67 Super Bowl. When people talk about the 1969 Chiefs, okay, that was the 70 Super Bowl. Or like the 85 Bears. So I guess technically it'll go down as the 2019 Chiefs. Yeah, the 85 Bears, the Super Bowl was in 86. But so, it's the 85 Bears. Yeah. Well, also, with that one, the 86 Bears sounds way less cool than 85 Bears. <laughs> the nice I'm just round number you, there. From, a, from an aesthetic standpoint... It just sounds way yeah. less cool. No, so we always it's it's based on the the year the majority of the season was in, not not quite when the Super Bowl was in for that. So I do think to that standpoint to be the team of the decade, that one you know, doesn't count. So that's funny because that's a different conversation. And then you also have the conversation that people floated around about dynasty. And some people are willing to go there. They're like, hey, the Chiefs have been in three Super Bowls, they've been to five straight AFC championships, they won two. Am I the only one that thought dynasty was you have to win three? I thought that was uh, the rule. Well, what's interesting about this is, like, the Chiefs are an AFC dynasty. Are yeah, that's fair. Are they not? Yeah, but that's But not the, generally, when it's dynasty yeah, talk, you're talking about championships, yeah. right? Like, you can make 100 NBA finals in a row, but if you lose all of them, you're not a dynasty because you didn't win anything. Mm-hmm. So it has to be, you have to actually win the Super Bowl, win the championship, whatever it is, to be for that to be considered part of your dynasty. Well, I don't know what the cutoff is either. Like, I've heard some you people have to win say, at least three, I think. I the Chiefs are not that, a dynasty. What's right the year now? cutoff? Is like, it three and eight years? Is it three and nine years? Is it three and a decade? Is it three and five? I've heard some people say it's. Three I think and it depends five. on your team. It depends on the players. Like it has so to like be the same if, core. Yeah. So like if Mahomes doesn't win another one for another six or seven years, but then he does win one in like you know twenty twenty nine or whatever, it might still be a dynasty at that point. Maybe. Okay. I think that's fair. Sort of. If I don't it's know, Mahomes, but if it's Mahomes and nobody, but if it's Mahomes reading nobody else, how can that be the same core? It's just one guy or two guys at that point. Yeah, but it's the 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 greatest player of all time. So that matters. But see the 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 Patriots ones. They had okay. a, a dynasty in the 2000s. They had a dynasty in the 2010s. Those Do don't get lumped together. Those, they don't go. They don't like lump no, because it was so, they had the same coach and quarterback. They did, but everybody else was different. It was two separate dynasties. You know, interesting. So I I think there is a cutoff. I just don't know what it is. Okay, but That's I think fine. for the most part, if you look at all these. Like Packers, they won two, but they also won the like uh, it was like four or five, you know, NFL championships in the sixties. Steelers won four in six years, so clearly. 49ers, here's okay, here's a perfect example. Okay. Do you view 49ers as a dynasty? Probably not. No. In the eighties? Do people call them a dynasty? Yeah. Who? People? People who talk <laughs> about these things. Uh they were eighty nine. So that's three so that's in a nine years? season span. Nine seasons. But it was seven years between one win and the next. Yeah. That's a long time. Are you calling him a dynasty? I am, yeah. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe three in a ten-year span. As long as you have enough familiar faces. Sure. But realistically, three in like six or seven years. Probably. That's like once every other year. And a lot of these cases... Yeah, once every other year for six years. That'd be three. A lot of these cases... Or four. A team won back-to-back. Packers, 66 and 67. Steelers, 74-75 and 78-79. 49ers, 88-89. Cowboys, 92-93. Patriots, 03-04. The only team of the decade that did not win back-to-back was the Patriots in the 2010s. And that team won three out of five. And had they not lost to the Eagles in that Super Bowl, they would have won three in a row. So, pretty much, whenever you have a team of the decade, so history if, if would the show. the Chiefs repeat next year. That would be three out of six, right? Because they won one, yeah. they, lo- they lost one, they didn't make one, mm-hmm. and then they won this next one. Yeah, so right so now they're at two out of four. They would be a dynasty. Or no. 
They're two out of wait. Yeah, two out of four. Three. No. Four. Yeah, four. Two what? out of four. They lost to the Bucks, then last year was Rams Bengals. So two out of four. Okay. Um So it'd be three out of five if they win it. Yeah, three out of five. Three out of five. Okay. So at that point they'd be a dynasty ever. But no my question point, about it. Point being, if you think the Chiefs are going to be the team of this decade, which to this point evidence would say, yeah, probably, right? With Mahomes, yeah. History would point that in the NFL, when you have a team of the decade, most of them win back to back. Place your and uh, again, remember early wagers now. At the beginning of this year, this was this year was dubbed as a soft rebuild. Yes. for the Chiefs. So next year's team should be better. Hypothetically, yes. They should have a lot more players back. Yes. Yeah, and more more progressed in year yeah. two. Yep. Yep. That's crazy to think about. That now, obviously. Crazy. You know, you never know what's going to happen. There could be injuries. Guys could regress, go the other way, because that that happens. But yep, on paper, I don't know. Let's see. It is interesting. Uh, other deep deliberations. I thought the halftime show was great. Yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I was a fan. I think it was uh, the second most watched halftime show of all the Super Bowls. If I'm not okay, mistaken. what was the first? Do you know? Uh, I think the first was Prince, maybe. Yeah. Or Michael Jackson. Yeah, no, I, look I, it up. I thought that was good. Um, I just remembered seeing the article that said that it was the second most, but I didn't look at the rest of it. Did you get yourself involved in any of the uh, lip syncing? What do you mean? Controversy. Oh, the fact that Rihanna like wasn't. Do you think she was lip syncing? Yeah. Oh, by the way, well, is it I mean, lip singing or syncing? I've never known it's syncing, that. Syncing because you're you're, you're, sy- you're syncing up to the music, or you're syncing up to the track. Technically, it's you're singing. No, 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 no. no. It's the tr- no, so like the track is playing with your voice on it. And then you are just lip syncing. You're, you're singing, singing along your to lips. the word. No, 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 no. You're syncing your lips to the track that's playing your voice, mm-hmm. but you're not actually singing. But she could be lip singing. Like her lips are singing it, but no, her vocal but cords are not. You're syncing your lips to the music that's already there. You're not going to win this argument. It's syncing. Oh, no. Trump said that Rihanna had the worst show in history. Crap. Who? I don't know if she actually lip sung or not. I, I I don't really care to be honest. It was a good Super Bowl halftime show. Do you remember the one it with was good, uh, yeah. what was it? Uh, Black Eyed Peas. Like they sounded uh, horrible. Yes. So you know you're probably better off lip singing if if you're not 100 percent feeling it. Uh, we talked about this a little yesterday. I'll just bring it up again. I don't remember a single commercial besides Tubi. Yeah. And you brought really up either. the Will Ferrell one. So yeah, the Will Ferrell one. The Will Ferrell one. I remember. I'll be honest. I don't remember that one. But, but dude, like I, I think I said this yesterday. When, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I'm just I, on the game. I, yeah, I don't care. But also, Super Bowl commercials care. have like not been that they've good been bad. for a long time. Yeah, they've been bad for like at least. I think the last... a lot of people are. I don't know if it's afraid to take a risk or that there's so much of the budget that goes into actual. It's like one of those things where it's like so big that you just like. I don't know. It's almost a letdown because you yes. have too high of expectations. Yes. No, the last five years at least, it's been not very good. But again, when the Chiefs are in, I don't pay attention. So. No, that's fair. Um, yeah, especially because, like, if it's a game you don't care about, you don't mind getting up from the couch and being like, well, I got to go to the bathroom, or, well, I got to go pick up this uh, buffalo chicken dip, or, you know, grab this chicken wing, and if I miss a play, like, I'll just come back and somebody will tell me. During When the Chiefs, it's like you're only leaving the room during the commercials to go get that stuff. Yes. Because you're not going to miss exactly. any play. Yes. And then you miss the commercials. Yes, correct. Nick Sirianni was like full fledged crying at the national anthem. That, that was eye drops. I'm convinced. What? That was not real crying. How do you? What do you mean? He he was faking it. Faking Why it would for he the fake cameras. that? Faking Why would he it. fake that? I don't know. There's a Dude, reason somewhere in there. People can generate a lot of tears. 
Dude, but that wasn't even crying. Like it wasn't like sobbing. They were just like coming Dude, do you out. Not like remember, his eye drops. Do you not remember like the the no Sean Moreno? Yeah, Back, uh, eye drops, eye drops, dude. No, no. It's just like the stuff was like flowing out, like it was uh, connected to cried, a fire hydrant. Dude. Before the AFC title game. Yeah, but not like that. Not like that. Wow, just flowing out, dude. Disagree with that one. That would actually be really funny if, in hindsight, Nick Sirianni happened to somebody showed the camera from five seconds earlier. He was just put. He wasn't trying to sell anything. He just legitimately his eyes were dry, and the producer that the camera. Why was would like, he do that right during the national anthem? His eyes were dry. He was like blinking. He's like, I gotta look at my play sheet. He's like, oh no, the national okay, we'll about do to that start, any other time. Well, maybe he didn't know. He didn't know the clock. And then uh, the the producer saw it and thought he was crying. I think you he know? just was crying. There was a funny bit. At Dude, the if SB's. I were playing in the Super Bowl, I would cry at the national anthem. No, there's a there's a funny bit at the ESPYS in. Uh, it was the year, so it would have been 2008, because KU had won the title. I remember that. Justin Timberlake was hosting, and they did like this bit where they did all these sketches about some of the big championship moment, moments that year. Okay. There were a lot of big ones. The KU, the Mario Miracle Shot, the uh, David Tyree catch off his helmet, and Justin Timberlake was just in these different moments, like not realizing he messed something up. Like He was like chewing gum, and he took it out, and he accidentally put it on. He was like, ah, this guy never plays, and put it on like David Tyree's helmet, Then he went in and you know makes the catch. Uh, I don't know. I was just thinking like stuff like that. Um, okay. Anyway. Uh, I would, I, to circle back, I would cry if I played in the Super Bowl. Okay. If I was playing in the Super Bowl, I would cry to the National Anthem. 100%. No, that's fine. I just like, normally I think you see somebody tearing up or like a teardrop here, there, or you see somebody, if they're all out bawling out of control, like it's a mess. That Dude, was like a, just no, a straight stream of a sprinkler coming out of his eyeballs. Maybe he's a robot. Who knows? Having excessive tear generation is a real thing. I don't have a problem with it. Show your emotion. I'm just saying that looked fake. I don't know. That was probably mean. Uh, will Jalen Hurts ever make it back to a Super Bowl? Yes or no? Okay. Here's the deal. The NFC stinks. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Stinks. But all it takes is, so, like, I, what, if the Bears, think, what if the Bears draft uh, a quarterback this year and he ends up being, like, a top five quarterback? And then all of a sudden he just runs the league. Or the, the NFC, I should say. Maybe. I still, I think the Eagles, listen, they're, they're probably going to be back in the playoffs. I mean. Yeah. The, the Cowboys are probably going to be there, but what if with the Dak situation, you know, the Giants could easily regress. The Giants could easily regress and be like 6-10 and 10 next year or 6-11 and 11 next year. The Commanders suck. I mean, Jalen Hurts might be the best quarterback in the NFC. Yes. I don't even know if that's like that up for debate. It depends your thoughts on like Aaron Rodgers. Is he even he, so quarterback? No, it's not confirmed he that he's back He wasn't as yet. good this past year. It's not confirmed I, that he's back Exactly. Yet. So I don't, I don't know. I, uh, here's one thing that I found super I, I interesting. I think Jalen Hurts has a decent chance to get back, but I don't want to say that he definitively that he will because getting to a Super Bowl is very it's very hard. Yes. So the last quarterback on an NFC team because the AF it's funny the AFC has always been about it seems like for the past yeah, like Big Bang, three decades. Tom Brady, yeah, Peyton it's had Manning. consistent quarterbacks where it's if you lose a Super Bowl, it's like oh well we went back you know and, and that was the case for all those guys. Yeah. But in the NFC, the last quarterback to have Played in a Super Bowl and then make it back. So um, I didn't count Tom Brady here because I'm saying you stayed on that same NFC team. Okay, like right? you played in a Super Bowl for one team. Yes, in and the then NFC, you didn't make it, and then you made it again with that same team. Yes, whether you won or lost. Yes, so like Tom Brady won the Super Bowl with the Bucks. He hasn't made it back since. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I don't think has been won back a Super Bowl with the won. Packers. Yes. Never went back. Right. Yes. Yeah. The last quarterback to play in a Super Bowl on an NFC team and make it to his second, Russell Wilson, back in 2015. So that's not that crazy. You know, it could happen for Jalen Hurts. If I make that 
you lost in the Super Bowl. So you, get, you get to the Super Bowl, you lose, you lose, and, and then, then you with make the it same back. team, you make it back. Yes, you have to go all the way back to Roger Staubach. He lost the Super Bowl in 1976. He made it back in 1978, won it, then lost it again in 1979. Man, since then, no NFC quarterback like the NFC. That's just what they've Has done. It's just been a rotation a of Super Bowl and then come back. Yeah. Like, Joe Montana won them all, so he never had to worry Troy about... Troy Aikman won them all, too, right? Yeah, exactly. So you never had to worry about that. I don't know. Maybe there's wow. nothing to that step. Maybe there's something. I just, like, I'm amazed. And and I think, more than anything, it just says what you basically just said yeah, in an sucks. easier way. No, that, that's just going to Super Bowl's hard. Oh, yeah. Going to right? Super Bowl's very hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I have to tell people this. What the Patriots did with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick over the course of, you know, 20 years, that's the exception. That's the exception to the yeah. rule. Yeah. Like, it's impossible. And every other stretch, and like we've talked about, every other stretch of, like, quote-unquote, like, dominance or dynasties of NFL teams lasts, like, two, maybe three years. Outside of, like, the Steelers in the 70s. It feels like if they're going to go back, it almost needs to be next year. Final year, Jalen Hurts on his rookie deal. Probably, yeah. I mean, I know you've talked about that a lot, right? Like, in the modern NFL, the window to win the Super Bowl is you draft, an, you draft a rookie quarterback and he gets elite. And then you have basically the three, four years of him being on his rookie deal. That that's like your window, yep. basically. Unless he's like, unless he's Mahomes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Unless he's just so good that it doesn't matter. Okay, who would you rather have back as the backup if they unretired for twenty twenty three behind Patrick Mahomes next year? Chad Henney or Tom Brady? Oh, Chad Henney. I don't want Tom Brady anywhere near the Chiefs. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Dude, no, yeah, get that guy. <laughs> go, Tom. Tom, listen, you've had a good run. You've had a good run. That's it. That's it. Okay. It's over. Go live on a beach. Go buy an island. You can do that. It's fine. Just, just go do that. Anything is possible, baby. All right, uh, Rock Chalk, Pick a Hawk, KU Game Picks next. This is RCST. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.